good Monday afternoon. It's time for the next episode of Saving America with Dr. David Shine, and we are here in Houston, Texas. Dr. Shine is professor at the University of St. Thomas. He is the author of The Decline of America, 100 Years of Leadership Failures. So uh, a totally unbiased, um, non-political, so bipartisan look at the last 100 years of American history, particularly the presidents that were uh, in office at that time. So get your copy. A great way to study and prepare for this coming election. So get your copy on Amazon now. Um, David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sandy. Appreciate that kind introduction and uh, pitch for my book. Uh, as you know, I'm working on two more books after that one. And uh, but uh, it is a presidential election year, and we know that because there is no end of entertainment out there today. <laughs> That's very true. So our very first segment of Saving America is in the news. So what's going on? I mean, there, again, no lack of anything being in the news these days. So what, what have you selected from the numerous topics to share with us today? Well, obviously, it's a slow news day at CNN. Uh, they reported that uh, while uh, uh, Donald Trump was out having a, uh, a big uh, to-do at his ritzy golf club, that Joe Biden was being the common man by riding a bicycle. <laughs> and it's like... If that's the best thing that you can say about Joe Biden, I, I heard one of the commentators said, my four-year-old can ride a bicycle. How does that qualify him to be president of the United States? And so, as you know, uh, Trump is still uh, far behind in the polls, but uh, it's interesting because uh, he has closed that gap. And the, the hot item on that is who is the most likely VP candidate for uh, Biden. And uh, uh, the name I hear most often is Kamala Harris, who has her own set of pluses and minuses. So that'll be very interesting. And as I said on last week's show, uh, I'm very supportive of having a woman uh, president, but it wouldn't be Kamala Harris. Uh, and it frankly, it wouldn't be any of the front runners uh, for the Democratic uh, v VP slot. But it, it is a very interesting uh, topic. Uh, something else I saw in the news that I thought was uh, rather uh, hilarious is, uh, as you know, we are born either male or female. The doctor puts it on our birth certificate. And we've uh, got this social movement going on that makes it sound like it's, it's a complete choice to be whether you are or you aren't uh, one, one gender or the other. And it, it's interesting to me because I believe that if someone is truly should have been the other person and psychologically and physically and hormonally, they are driven to be a member of the other uh, gender. Uh, that's called gender reassignment surgery. It is something that is uh, in the past has been done with uh, a great care in the United States. It usually takes about two years to get medical approval to do that. 
And we've taken this very legitimate medical, psychological, psychiatric issue and turned it into a political issue. And I think that's very unfortunate because it cheapens the subject of what we're looking at, which is very serious. And it's interesting because in Portland, which of course has had all manner of things, they were arresting a, a woman protester for some level of violence. And the male officer patted her down. And normally you would have brought a female officer in to pat down a female suspect. And the woman said, well, you didn't ask me what my gender identity is. And he said, I didn't know that it mattered anymore. So, and that's out of Portland. So what can I say? Portland policeman uh, kind of calls the issue. And of course, uh, there is a huge movement. I am, uh, frankly, I am so involved in research and writing and, and taking care of uh, people that uh, I don't get to watch any sports at all. But I am very much in favor of equalization between male and female sports. And it's very interesting because this issue of uh, biological males competing in the uh, big events and like the upcoming Olympics and things in the, as against female athletes has caused some great consternation on the part of legitimate uh, female athletes. And again, if someone is legitimately going through gender reassignment surgery, there are benchmarks for that, including measuring their testosterone. And testosterone is a very important chemical in men. It makes them characteristically men, but um, they have put forward some standards for testosterone uh, for so-called female athletes. And it is still higher than the trace amounts of testosterone that are present in women normally, but so it's still set higher than that, but it's set at some level. So this is uh, going to be, unfortunately, I think an issue that's going to be around for a while. And I think we could see early 2021. Remember the 2020 Tokyo Olympics was moved to 2021. I think early in calendar year 2021, we're going to see this come to a head and they're going to have to make some decisions. So anyway, that's just uh, some of the things that I've seen in the news that I think are uh, a very important and where we've politicized issues that should not be politicized. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. I see all these topics and I'm like, that's normally not even a political discussion. Right. It is. So, um, so yeah, no, no, um, limit to how many things you can talk about if we're looking in the news. You and, bet. Uh, from there, from the news spreads lots of rumors. And we hear uh, people calling, talking about the media. And um, and both, that is definitely both Democratic and Republican talking about the media and some of the things they've done. So what are some of the rumors you've picked up on this week? Well, the persistent rumor is that Trump, who, who is admittedly a billionaire, uh, he claims to be worth at least $2 billion, and I think somebody said recently he might be worth $3 billion. But whatever it is, he is a wealthy person. Uh, he uh, did start with some money. I, I think his uh, father forwarded him a million dollars or something when he got started. And uh, he's apparently parlayed There are definitely some skeletons in his closet in terms of companies that have gone bankrupt and contractors that haven't been paid. And uh, I, that's 
you know, that we don't need to debate that. That's he, he's not the nicest guy I've ever seen on television or in the news or in politics. But a lot of them aren't. But it's so interesting because the uh, a lot of the mainstream media has been really putting forward this. Oh, my God, is Joe Biden's for the common man and Trump's this really rich guy. And they made a big deal, as I mentioned earlier, about this uh, golf club. And they seem to forget that it seemed like the week while he was president, Barack Obama, the golf course. And Brock and uh, has uh, bought a $15 million estate on Martha's Vineyard. So if we want to talk about rich people in politics, I don't think the Republicans anywhere near have a, uh, a monopoly on that topic. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, then the second part is, of course, over the weekend, after a prolonged deadlock, uh, the uh, Congress put in a variety of relief measures because of the pandemic and the, the great impact on the economy. And so what they did is they, they gave people who were on unemployment an additional $600 a week. Small businesses in America have been complaining ever since then to say, we don't have enough workers because low wage workers who are already on unemployment are making more money on unemployment than they will if they come to work for us because we can't afford to pay more than that or something close. And if again, if it's close, people have commuting and lunch costs and stuff like that. So even if it's a little less than they'd make working, they still net out better to stay at home and take care of their kids who are not in school right now. So it's it's a real interesting uh, challenge. But over, over the weekend, after the uh, Democrats and Republicans were unable to make a deal in Congress to provide a new stimulus, uh, a new economic relief package, uh, Trump did a couple things. One of the things that's reported is that he put in a payroll tax relief. It is limited to people making less than $100,000 a year, and it allows them to keep their federal contributions to Social Security and Medicare, that's my understanding of it, uh, uh, through the end of the year. And that's basically giving every working American who makes less than 100,000 a year a 7.5% raise. And then the second part is, is that while he did not go along with a $600 a week uh, bonus for people on unemployment, he did put through, through executive order a $400 a week uh, bonus for people on unemployment. Now, clearly, both of these things are designed to help unemployed people and lower income people and moderate income people. It, it's, it's, there's nothing there that helps anybody who makes more than 100000 a year. And frankly, in America, I don't know how we define rich anymore, but certainly not people make less than 1000 a year. So this rumor that somehow Trump's out for the rich guy is just that. It's just a silly rumor, and it's not true. I, I do think that actually he is more of a populist than I would like to see. And as you know from my book, one of my concerns is when are we going to start being financially responsible for America? When are we going to stop burdening our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren with this enormous debt which has been uh, spiraling out of control. And it's not because rich people aren't paying their taxes. That's, I'm sorry, but that, that, uh, that uh, uh, kind of uh, commentary is not going to sell. And so they've really got to stop spending money. And so I'm not 
I'm a little happy that the stimulus part two is not larger than it is, but I'm still concerned about the fact that nobody seems to be looking at the the future and, and how we're going to start paying these bills. So, and I do have some suggestions in my book and I'll have some more in my upcoming books. Thank you. That was great. I mean, that was you covered a lot with that rumor, those rumors, lots of rumors going on out there. Um, and it seems like each person has their own version of the rumors. So um, I'd love to hear your looking at the just the facts. I get no with the schools going on? Well, this is a real tough deal, uh, uh, Sandy, is that uh, in Georgia, this has been in the news all day today, is in Georgia, they had a high school come back to school already, and they've already closed for two days to sanitize the school. And what went viral, and I guess this is Thursday or Friday of last week, is they showed a corridor in the high school only a fraction of these young people were wearing masks, by the way, and they were all crowded together. They were not social distancing. And it's a big shocker that it comes out that six children have COVID-19 plus three staff at this high school. And it's like, what part of, yes, let's get these kids back in school. Let's get them where they belong. Socialization is part of that. There's a lot of responsibility. They're over 10 years old. They should all be wearing masks. There should be a socially distancing. So the, the, unfortunately, the headline is going to be going back to school causes COVID-19 when the headline should be irresponsible conduct of bringing people back to school the wrong way may lead to higher incidence of COVID-19. And so I, I think facts need to be more clearly stated as what triggered that. And every psychologist worth their salt that works with children says, especially our little people, our pre-K, our K, our you know, one to eight, uh, grades one to eight, really, really need to be in the classroom. And while there are some children, it's absolutely true, there are some children that will contract COVID-19. The reality is it's not a lot of them. And the impact on children is with rare exception, rare exception, not significant compared to the impact on adults. So there are risks in everything we do. And I was thinking about it from this standpoint, there's the risk driving your kid to school. I mean, as uh, uh, you know, as you know, I was in a car accident of uh, 18 months ago, Sunday morning, beautiful Sunday morning. I'm driving in my own lane up the street and somebody decided to make a U-turn in front of me in the middle of the street, crashed into the front of my car. And it's like, how can you predict this? You can't. But we can say that the majority of children would be better off in school. And I and I hope we will get them back there. Very good. Thank you. And, and so you, we're going to be coming to you each week uh, from now till the election and beyond on what's in the news, what's going on, what are the latest rumors, and then just the facts, just the facts. And so um, thank you, David. This was a great episode. This is episode two. So stay tuned next Monday afternoon for episode three and beyond. And we will start having guests at some point right now there's so much going on 
uh, we wanted you to hear directly from Dr. Shine. So you have been listening to Dr. David Shine. He is, again, author. He's a, um, a, a professor at uh, the University of St. Thomas in Houston, uh, works with small businesses, has been helping them through maneuver through this whole COVID-19. So um, if you want to get in touch with him, be sure and uh, the, look at the Claremont Management Group. Respond below in the comments below to this um, Facebook Live, and we'll have Dr. Shine get in touch with you. So thank you for joining us today for the um, episode of Saving America. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy.